Hello, friends, and welcome to the Pillar Podcast bonus episode. This is a new thing that we're going to be doing every week, or mostly every week, uh, where we have noticed, J.D. and I, between us. You have to tell them who you are. No, this is that's the whole point. It's the bonus episode. They're all family. They're friends. We don't have to like this is <laughs> we this, don't have to do the format. We can dispense with the formalities. No, there on could the bonus be a episode. new formality. I, I didn't mean, this is your form- thing. This is totally yeah. your thing. I don't need to tell you how to do it. <laughs> Hello, friends, and welcome to the Pillar Podcast bonus episode. We have made a decision, and every week after we finish wrapping the show, we are going to keep the mic rolling so that you can hear exactly what JD and I talk about every week after we finish the show, because often we find it quite interesting. That's why we're talking to each other. But this is for friends and family only, for pillar-paying subscribers. This first episode this week, this first bonus episode, um, we are leaving open for everyone to listen to. But don't think this is what it's going to be like every week, because every bonus episode is going to be something of a wild card. We could be continuing the conversation right off from where we left off on the main show. We could be talking about church stuff. It could be something completely different. JD might drink too much at lunch. We don't know what will happen. It's, you know, it's it's an adventure. It's an adventure we want to bring you along with us, but also it's an adventure that's only for our friends and family, so that we're a little more free to say what we think. Um, so this is for subscribers only. This first bonus episode, this is for everybody. Consider it an offering, a, a tempting, inviting uh, offering to bring you into the pillar podcasting universe as a paying subscriber. Come along with us on a journey. Exactly. And where that journey is taking us this week is camping. Because, JD, you've been camping twice in two weeks, and I have many, many, many questions. You really want to talk about camping? Yeah, this is weird. Look, I don't, I don't know how long we're going to talk about camping, thing. but we are starting off with camp chat because I have a lot of questions that I have not been asking you for the last two weeks because I was saving it for this. Okay. Hey, everybody. So we last week on the main show, you you told us about your your hubris and the hubris of the canoe. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. that I, mean, was I didn't hum- forget that it happened, but I because it's going to cost me some coins, but I did yeah. forget that. That's why we got to make this bonus episode. Yeah. But I did forget that I talked about it. So that was that was great, and I enjoyed that. So I have other questions about your camping hubris. First of all, uh, when you go camping, how camping, what kind of level of camping are we talking about? Are we talking about you park your car and you're on the camp pitch site, you're right there, you pitch your tent, or is this you leave your car somewhere and then you do a hike somewhere and then once you've hiked are you then hiking to a camping place that has for example a proper camping pitch picnic tables maybe outhouses things like that places to plug electronics in or is this are you going full wild there is nothing it is you and nature and that's it what do you mean when you go camping like i have been i have spent my entire life being a person who goes camping so it's hard for me to know what you mean. Okay, let's let's take this example. You went camping with your family for the last two weekends in a row. Is that right? I went camping with my family. Okay, for the when past you take your family camping these last two weeks, mm-hmm. what kind of camping are we talking about? With my family, the kind of camping we tend to do is what I would call car camping, which doesn't mean sleeping in your car. It means driving your car to a place and parking your car within, let's say, fifty yards of your campsite. And then pitching a tent, setting up a little camp kitchen, fire ring, you know, that kind of thing okay. in a beautiful place. But in one case, I was camping in a national forest. In the other case, recently, I was camping in a uh, state park. And are you like the Calvin and Hobbes dad where you're forcing your whole family to go enjoy the great outdoors because you do, but really they'd all rather be at home watching TV? Or is, no, this, everybody is the likes- whole family a willing participant in all of this? Everybody in my family likes going camping. Really? Yep. That's great. The big kids, Max and Pia like sleeping in tents. 
they like sleeping in tents a lot. They like to play. They, you know, Max and Pia, my children, Max and Pia, I guess friends and family knows, but my children, Max and Pia have Down syndrome. They're a year apart. They're best friends with each other. And they live, they play their own games. They're 10 and 11. They play their own games that not everyone always understands or we don't always know what they're doing. But they like to go into the tent during the daytime and create these elaborate dramas in which they are either acting on a movie or creating their own movie, but they each know their roles and sometimes they play many roles. So Max and Pia really enjoy hanging out in a tent in addition to going on hikes and doing other stuff. They really enjoy hanging out in a tent. Davey really likes going on hikes, having kind of adventures. Last weekend, we did something really fun. We were camping at a state forest in Wyoming and um, I went to the bank before. I got a kind of a box that looked like my son is six. He's into like pirates and stuff. So I got Okay. Okay. This is what I did. About five weeks ago, I started telling my son this story about how when I was his age six, I found a buried treasure at the beach. And that's actually true. When I was six, my uncle Rick, who had a lake house in Pennsylvania, um, buried a box with coins in it on an island on his lake, Lake Wampapak, famous from the office, buried... um, on an island, a box full of coins. And then he showed my sister and I in his basement. He called my sister and I down to his basement and, 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 and said, look, I don't know what to do. I found this map, da, 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 da. And he showed us this map of the lake with an X marking a spot on an island and, and, and turned it into this whole thing where we spent like a day and a half on a treasure hunt, finding this thing was awesome. It's like a memory that I've had seared in my mind. It was awesome. My sister and I think about it all the time. And he created this legend of a pirate named Seaman Josh was the name of the pirate because he was a seaman, Josh. And I think, I think. It's a little Captain Pugwash, but okay. Yeah. As an adult, I think my Uncle Rick thought that name was hilarious. And so that's why I said it. But as a kid, I didn't know, I, you know, I just thought like, well, he was an able-bodied seaman, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. but I think my Uncle Rick was having some fun with us. Um, but anyway, he created this character and this legend. And so we went and we found his treasure or whatever. I've treasured this memory now nigh on these many decades. Your uncle is sounds really nice and thoughtful. When I was a kid and I would go to you know, go to the lake in Pennsylvania, my uncles told us the story of Billy Q, the mass murderer who killed his entire <laughs> family in the house in the woods around the point where the ruined house still stood and buried him under the barn. And, you know, you could still hear Billy dragging his rusty axe through the undergrowth if you weren't careful and if you wandered too far from the house after night. And I was convinced this was real. Like I was convinced there was actually an axe murderer loose in the woods <laughs> until I was like, I don't know, 12, 13. And not just me, unless you, in case you think I'm just like a credulous kid. No, I don't. Like yeah. all of my cousins equally bought into this. Our uncles told this with utter conviction and sincerity. And it's funny because I'm now at the point where like my nieces and nephews are, yeah, you know, they're coming up on 10. Like now is yeah. the age. Like, are we going to continue the legend? Anyway, sorry. I just wanted to point out that my – Well, so what my uncle did – I mean, it's funny they say that because my uncle had a hand-dug basement. It was it was dug from the earth. It was a hand-dug basement. And he was actually, for some reason, expanding it. He was always just expanding it. So what he did is he, he was a hunter, a hunter of deer and other things. He took a bunch and of men. bones, Ed. I don't know because he took a bunch of bones and he effectively pressed them into the wall of his hand-dug basement – and he called us down and he said that he had found the skeleton of this semen Josh and the map. So I left that out for sake of expediency. But he created for us a burial ground in his basement. It was kind of weird, actually. Um, but uh, he did that. And then we went on this I hike. I want to be clear. This story has a happy ending, right? Yeah, we went on this boat ride to this island and we dug up the treasure. Okay. But we did have in our mind that the ghost of semen Josh, whatever, whatever, to get us. So about five weeks ago. So this was a treasure memory of mine. 
So about five weeks ago, I started telling Davey little bits of this, that I went on a treasure and da-da-da-da-da. And Davey asked me where the treasure was. And I said, well, we lost the treasure. We buried it up, but then we had to run away because we saw a pirate and we had to run away. And then I had heard that the pirate was, knew that that it had been found. So he sent it west. He sent it west in a stagecoach. I told him. I started telling him all this crap about how a pirate sent it west in a stagecoach and stuff. I was just laying the groundwork, right? And so I was telling him, you know, we don't know, but, you know, pirates like lakes. So we're going to this big lake in, in, in uh, Wyoming for this camping trip. So I was telling him, like, pirates like lakes. And so, you know, who knows, but maybe Seaman Josh sent it west to the lake that we're going to. I won't say the name of it. So I had done all this spade work, right? And so in addition to that, I got this chest that was kind of this uh, rattan. Is that the right word? It was like um, dark wood and this kind of rattan, rattan um, sort of webbing or whatever. And uh, I got that. And then um, I went to the bank and I got like about $20 in coins. And um, some of it was pennies. Pennies, you can get a lot of pennies for about $5. So pennies yeah, make kind of going to work the- for this. They better be polished. Like, did you clean them? Did you shine them up? Because no. like, tarnished pennies. And would- let me tell you about that. That worked actually to my favor. So I got oh. pennies, nickels. And then the banker was really into it. So he's like, oh, get some half dollars. Get some Sacagawea coins. So we got like a mix of coins. You know what I mean? And Sacagawea is like gold coins, whatever. So took that up there. We were camping with my parents. My mom is a very talented artist, so she made a kind of a map of the area on, on Oak Tag, and then she burnt the edges and kind of crumpled it up, threw it in the dirt, stomped on it, and rolled it up, tied it with a little rope, and stuck it in the crook of this tree. Then we hid the treasure somewhere else where we put the X in the map. So then Davy and P and I are going on a little hike. Max was taking a nap or something, but Davy and P and I were going on a little hike, and then I said, guys, what is that in that tree? And we went over, and they found the map, and then we ran back to camp, and we found it, and we all went on this treasure hunt. We found the treasure. It was super fun. Well, what I didn't realize is that um, the tree on which I found it, someone had spray painted just like this red circle. Like there was this graffiti on the tree, right? Okay. So there's this weird red circle on the tree. So Davey kept saying, that must be the mark of the pirates. That must be the mark of the pirates. And then he found, and this was really cool, several pennies in the treasure chest that whose backs were painted red with like nail polish or something. I don't even know why. But he's like, it was definitely the pirates. So there were like these things that happened that in his mind, compounded the legacy. So it was super fun. That's good. I like that. Now, is this um, – are you are you a bare-bones camper or do you do like – do you, are you kitted out? Like do you have like all – like state-of-the-art tentage? Do you have – you know, is it – or are you more sort of all of your camping gear is well-loved and, you know, paper-thin and, you know, wh- which way do you go on this? Because like for well, me, when I, I do stuff in the great outdoors, I like it, but it's often an excuse to get the equipment. Yeah, I, for example, don't like sleeping bags. I like to camp with a, and I don't like air mattress, and I don't even like mattress pads. I Wait, like. To do make, you bring a full bed? No. Oh, okay. I Sorry. like to take. I like to collect pine needles and um, put them underneath the place where I pitch my tent and make myself effectively a little. Shut nest up! Area. You sleep on pine needles when you go camping. I like to. You like to. But in how my does marriage, Mrs. Flynn feel about well, sleeping on a bed of pine I, needles? In my marriage, I like Kate to like camping. So when our family goes camping, we have like these mattress pads and sleeping bags and the whole deal. And we have a nice tent, I think. And so, yeah. Okay, cool. And wait, how you're up in the mountains. So weather, is that at all a concern? Well, okay. So we went camping these past two weekends. One of them was into the mountains and it was super cold. It was like in the 40s. Wait, hang on. I weekend, need to convert that. Um, oh, oh, that is cold. Yeah. At night, it was like really cold. Um, oh, that's like freezing. Nearly. Yeah, but last weekend, our, we cut our camping trip short. Did I tell you about this? No, I've not asked you any questions about camping because I wanted okay, to so say- I don't know why you're, I don't know why you imagine that people want to listen to this, but 
last weekend, uh, we went up to Wyoming to this lake in Wyoming and, uh, we got, we, we got up on like Friday evening, whatever, made dinner, pitched a tent. Kids went to bed. Kate and I stayed up and drank because that's what camping is for. Then um, Finally, something I understand. Yeah. Spent the whole day on the beach of this lake, flying kites, swimming. Yeah. We did have a problem. In the afternoon, the water where we were swimming started turning green. And, um, well, we had one problem already. It's yellow jacket season. So there were a lot of yellow jackets around. It was super annoying. But then in the afternoon, the water we were swimming started turning green. And we were like, is this okay? But other people were swimming in it. And it was like, is this okay? And it started getting greener and greener. So finally, we got the kids out. We're like, we shouldn't be doing this. Then we saw very far from the beach on an outhouse bathroom, like a bathhouse bathroom, a, sign, a door, a sign that said, beware of toxic algal blooms. They can cause serious... Stomach and so we had the kids swimming basically in toxic algae bloom. So we got dish soap and we washed them off with dish soap. So that was like Saturday evening. Wait, you made dinner. You we didn't bring bit... soap camping with you? We did, but it was easier to use to wash the kids with dish soap than a bar soap. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, and Kate, I think, thought that it would clean them better from the algae. I don't know. Uh, I just did what I was kind of directed to there. So anyway, so we did that. So then we're cooking dinner. Then, so we're with my parents and my parents like took their dogs for a walk and then they came back and they're like, Hey, we just looked at the weather. There's going to be thunderstorms tonight. We think we're going to just take off instead of sleep tonight and go back tomorrow morning. We're going to just take off. So we're like, all right. So then my dad was like, would you help me take down my tent and stuff? So I'm helping my dad take down his tent. And as I'm helping my dad take down his tent, thunder rolls in and lightning and it's getting to be a thunderstorm. So we're putting, putting his tent down in a thunderstorm. He's like, are you sure you want to stay? And I was like, yeah. And then as we're putting his stuff in the car, it started hailing. Mm big hail and my kids did not like it they ran right to the car and they were crying because they got hit with the hail and they were upset and blah 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 blah. so kate was like let's just go home so it's hailing so your and family and stayed lightning. in the car while you disassembled the camp so i put everything away kate now kate to her credit i mean kate deserves a lot kate um and i were a good team because kate got out and while i was sort of packing up other stuff kate packed up like our sleeping bags and our um in the tent Kate packed up like our sleeping bags and our bed pads and stuff like that and their clothes but then i had to take the tent down in this major hailstorm and it was like pelting me and i had i had i was so glad you know the stetson i bought for the pillar like yes. my cowboy my pillar cowboy hat sure yeah well i had that with me and i was so glad because it has a big brim and that was protecting my face from these like golf ball sized hail but i got some big I got knocked with some big ones. Oh, no. You you don't want to go camping out west without a hat. I mean, I, yeah. if Western film has told me anything, it's that the hat is everything. Uh, the hat was everything. So then we rode out the works of the hailstorm in the car. By that time, it was probably like 930. Kids were in the back seat. We started driving. We stopped at a gas station, had the kids go to the bathroom, got home probably at like one o'clock. It was super fun, actually. It was really cool to ride out the hailstorm in the car. And I mean, I was telling Kate, like, this to me is like what camping is for. You and I have very different experiences of camping. It was awesome. Yeah, that's not that's not camping as I've done it, but um, I respect it. Yours sounds more pure. More pure? Yeah. Why? What is? Well, my experience of camping of impure, is, is limited. In what time. kind of impure camping are you doing? Well, I, when I was a younger man, um, there was a music festival that my friends and I used to go to every oh, summer. Oh, music festival camping is disgusting. In in it was in Germany because we worked out. Um, that all you're the, English, you were living in England or yes, but we worked out all the the same bands that were going to headline all of the major festivals throughout the later summer, Glastonbury, um, you know, Reading, I think Isle of Wight, things like that. They would all actually 
perform like a warm-up circuit of festivals on the continent mm-hmm. to like get into the festival season. And I mean, it was really cool. We saw a lot of bands um, that were, you know, I saw David Bowie have a heart attack on stage one year while he was performing, which was really amazing. We all, you know, we're, we're bad people. So actually when we found out that's what had happened and everything, rather than saying, oh my gosh, I hope he's okay. Uh, we all said, oh man, if he died, we would have had a way better story. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that, uh, the, you know, camping in Germany is, you shouldn't let groups of English college student and recently I, grad, I would never let go that. camping in germany because the germans even like the really punk because you got this at german music festivals you get the sort of you know stereotypical super punks you know with the mohawks and the studded leather jackets and the you know mm-hmm. they, they look really angry but actually they're faultlessly polite yeah like you know if they in them you know they're thrashing around in their mosh pit and if they kind of just like, oh i'm so sorry I, you know, yeah it's, it's very and, but uh, but of course you know we were terrible guests in their country constantly you know they you know, if someone said, "Oh, you know, normally I come to the festival with my brother, but he couldn't come this year. He went to he had to go to Nuremberg." Then immediately five people would say, "For a rally," <laughs> you know, you did, that sort of. Thing. It was just we were so badly behaved. We had a great time each year. I yeah. said, you know, you could see all sorts of fun stuff that way. So that was one experience of camping. But that was, I mean, the local village had a brewery, which we would go to. But um, it was like twenty euros for a case of beer. But if mm-hmm. you brought the bottles back, you got 16 euros back. Oh, wow. So $4 for a case of beer. Yeah. So if you're, you know, an enterprising group of young men as we were, and you could figure out a way of wheeling multiple cases of beer away from this brewery at a time, you could have yourself a great old party. And we did. Uh, so that was one. The other one was I used to go camping in the Yorkshire Dales with the same group of friends. Um, but it wasn't like what you were describing. Uh, we'd pitch up in a farmer's field sort of on a river and, um, you know, we'd, we'd build a well, It wasn't what I was describing because I was describing camping with my children, not messing around with my pals in the Yorkshire Dales. Well, yeah, but I mean, I kind of, I, I think it's, I think a brave man goes camping with his children and a committed now, father. When you, were, when you were camping in the Yorkshire Dales, did you see a large, like, um, is there any chance that you saw a large group of men marching up a hill and then marching down again? Because I'm aware of a Yorkshire-based military unit, the uh, the Duke's men, I believe. Yes, you are referring to the Grand Old Duke of York's um, nursery rhyme. No, none of that happened. What <laughs> To give you a sort of flavor of the sort of things we would do is one of the local towns, which is about 45 minutes away from where we were camping, was called Hawes, H-A-W-E-S, which if you pronounce it with anything like an English accent is indistinguishable from the word that is W-H-O-R-E-S. And so you would you would stop people on the road and say, we're looking for whores. Are we going in the right direction? Or we're looking for whores. <laughs> Can you help us? Or things like that. And we would find this extremely amusing in the locals. Yeah, they, they had either understand finished, the joke no, they or find it amusing it's just at all. That they'd gotten all their laughing out about it when they were in seventh grade. Well, that and also that, you know, we were we were up from London and there's a great deal of, you know, um, yeah, social cultural friction between being from London and versus being in somewhere like Yorkshire. How do you spell that? Yorkshire? No, whores. H a w e s is the name of the town. So there was that. I mean, there was one occasion where um, we we locked up the local pub one night. We tried to drink it dry, which we didn't quite manage to do, but we made a good fist of. And then one day, there was a beautiful um, old sort of. A railway bridge with sort of multi-arch. You watch Harry Potter, which I don't approve of, but you do it anyway. I know you do. No, I don't. 
you know things about Harry Potter because you're always saying references to Harry Potter to make fun of me that I don't get. So I you know, know as much as a person knows from absorbing the cultural zeitgeist. But I okay, that should be. But that's all I have. So you should have enough for the, what I'm trying to tell you, which is you know there's always these in in like Harry Potter trailers and stuff. There's the sweeping aerial shot of a train going over like a big bridge that you know is crossing a no, gorge. No, I don't and watch has, Harry like, Potter. Give it. You see, I can movie. picture an English train. Okay. Anyway, there's this. There's a. There was a giant, sort of beautiful, old, well-engineered brick railway bridge soaring high with these arches, and we ended up on top of it one night. I'm not entirely sure how we got up there or how we got a van up there, but we did. Um, on another occasion, uh, we we sort of slalomed the van accidentally down one of these country roads and put it through one of the sort of loose pile slate walls that the farmers used to construct around their fields. And when we got out of the van to try and extricate it from the wall, we realized we were overhanging a river. And so we all ended up in the river up to our waist and and had to sort of push the van back on, um, which was made or, more awkward the next morning because the farmer found our campsite and and somehow said he had our license plate, which apparently had fallen off the front of the van, and someone's underpants. And we weren't going to have either of them back until we paid for the damage to his wall. No oh one my. Fe- yeah, no one fessed up about whose underpants they were. I don't know how that that happened. I can only assume people were wet because of the river. But yeah, that was a yeah. that was a strange conversation to have with a farmer. I um, can imagine. So no, you you have a much more wholesome and enjoyable camping experience than the sort of things I've been up to. I suppose, but again, that's just well, you're describing more wholesome camping experiences on my part, but that's just um, because of the particular things that we're talking about. I suppose. I mean, I would like to go camping, properly camping. Um, Why don't you go? My wife is not at all in favor. My wife, my wife is a city girl. She's not. Um, she she she's made it very clear. It's in a non judgmental way. She's, I she does not do camping. I have an idea. Actually, this would be really fun. Does it involve my what? wife going camping? Yeah. Why? Well, then we no, it's do not it? a good idea. It's a terrible idea. Why? Kate's a great camper, and she'll get bring along. Why don't we go? Why don't we do a sort of pillar, friends of the pillar? You know, people do these like cruises and all this other that like supports their nonprofit or their work or whatever. Yeah. Which I'm sure is actually good. I don't, I don't know, whatever. It would be cool if we did a pillar subscriber camping trip. That sounds like hell. No, that sounds like awesome. We would just sit by the fire and talk about canon law or whatever. I mean, that sounds good. Who would go to this? I guarantee you. If you don't think subscribers would, Line up for that. You don't know our subscribers. I guarantee you we would have more takers than we would have slots. Wait, I, I want to be clear. You, Your idea, which you trial is a great idea, is, is you want not just us, but my wife to agree to go out into the wilderness to sleep outdoors without access to plumbing or wine at a proper temperature. <laughs> and you not only want us to do all of this, but then you want us to do it with other people. Yeah. There's no way this is happening. Okay. Well, it's just an idea, I mean, but I think you and it's I could one. do it. I understand that. I mean, I I think it would be very odd. I think it would be very uncomfortable because I mean, we've had offers for this. You know, there's a guy a subscriber Someone's of offered ours to who, take us off into the wilderness? Yeah, I can believe yeah, that. Yeah, there's a subscriber of ours who has like a farm or something and has asked us a couple times, "Hey, if you want to use the farm for a kind of pillar extravaganza." Oh, no. Oh, yeah, that's that. true. No, that that's a different yeah, but that that that's a known quantity. We know that guy and he's awesome. We so. know that guy, right. So but he said we could use like for if we wanted to have something called Pillar Fest where we <laughs> a bunch of came, we camped, you could be the grill master. I think you would enjoy being the grill master of Pillar Fest. Um I think that'd be fun. Yeah. 
let me tell you why it's never going to happen. We could have volleyball. Volleyball. We could have um, uh, cro- no, not croquet. Um, badminton. Badminton. Yeah, badminton. That's you know badminton. They played in Robin Hood. The I, I knew uh, what badminton is. It's just an the, odd thing to day. say. You want like why badminton in particular? I because you already said of the volleyball net. You may as well play badminton. Okay. Uh, like I didn't realize you already set up the net. Okay, I didn't. I didn't realize net sports were <laughs> were part of camping. I, although I didn't realize we we're going to do pillar burning man either until I started this. This can we just talk no, about we're... just for a second? Can we just talk about how unbelievably funny and satisfying it was to watch Burning Man just go straight to hell this year? Like, did you not feel that was God just saying, "I'm going to do fire festival on my own"? Like I'm going to get the I, worst people in the universe, put them in one place, and just ruin their vacation. I didn't feel that way, Ed, because I don't care at all. Like I, you were taking, you had this, some sort of Schadenfreude over that, and I. Oh, I loved it. I was going I deep. Like I was, I found social media platforms that I would normally never go on, like the one, the TikToks, and the what's the other one? Normally never. It is. I don't support the Chinese Communist Party. I do not have a TikTok account. I will not do it. And everyone who has one, that's what you're doing. You're feeding the Chai Coms. I hope you're happy with yourselves. Um, But I was doing the other one. The um, What's the other one? Instagram. Instagram. This is my favorite. By the way, since this is a bonus episode, I can say this. This is my favorite affectation of yours. No, no, no. I was struggling for the word. I know what Instagram is. No, I'm not this pretending. This is my I... favorite affectation. Oh, you know what it is. It used to be a photo filter, and I guess it's owned by Facebook. I don't know. Young people use it. No, MySpace. I have an Instagram I account. I know you do, which is why I think this is an affectation. No, I just would, couldn't remember the word. That's what I'm saying. I'm okay, not pretending so I don't know what Instagram, Instagram is. I'm saying yeah. I was going on these things that I would never normally go on. Yeah, except because I just Instagram wanted account. to watch the videos people were posting from that of the worst human beings in the so world. You were this. You had all the Schadenfreude over this, and you were I watching loved it. And I, you did not understand These something that I have been watching. Jerky lately. tech bros flying in their private jets from Silicon Valley to like slum it with the hipsters or for the you with the really hippies love for that kind of stuff because you hate those kind of people. I why did I love the Danello Cavalcanti manhunt? Like I kept I have been for two weeks bugging you and Michelle every day to see what happened today. They spotted him in the botanic gardens, and I have some theories. But I'm curious because at the same time you were loving Burning Man being muddy or whatever, I was starting to get into like a pretty daily preoccupation with watching this manhunt. I think it's because you want to go on a manhunt. I don't, I, <laughs> this is not, this is not terribly hard for me to unpick. No, you know what it is? This is a no, bad can we man, just, right? this like, is, no, this is, can we just, this is the bonus. This is how it's going to be folks. On the like bonus the greatest episode. game. You want to play the greatest game? You do. You want to, you want to, you have in your mind, like you saw first blood and you're like, I want some of that action. That's extreme vacationing. And I want to do that. But, <laughs> I mean, in, in French, this year, where like this is the this is the open air bonus episode. But in general, this is this is how it's going to be. Is we're just going to talk about the stuff that really matters. And I mean, JD, you are a stalker. Like you, you, you are really good at it. And that's what makes some of our reporting so good. Is like you can run a credit check on people so fast that you're still on the phone with them while Something you're looking. Something happened to me today. I was talking. I was in. A, I'm in a group text with some canon lawyers, and one of the canon lawyers. I, I don't even know why I brought it up, but he's like, hey. I don't remember who was the cardinal that had the I, – I was surprised I didn't remember this, but this candler was like, I don't remember who was the cardinal that had the nighty-night baby thing. And other, car, and other candidates were like, Tobin, Tobin. And I felt weird because not only you know did I not need to supply the information that was Tobin, but I was trying to decide whether it would be weird to supply information about what flight it was that he was on <laughs> when he was doing 
that, which is information that I happen to know. And yeah, I mean, I suddenly realized like, oh, no, this would seem creepy if I was just like, oh, he was on the wrong. But I did know. I, JD, it doesn't. It would not surprise me if you told me you knew what seat he was in on that flight. I d- <laughs> this is my point: is why were you so invested in the Cavalcanti manhunt? Because manhunting is actually what you want to like. You would be a bounty hunter if you could pick your own true vocation. Maybe I, I was thinking. I thought I had a nobler thing here because I was thinking, okay, this is a very bad man. He's killed people in front of their children. I mean, a very very bad person. At the same time, it seemed to me there was something about this where. This is a human being battling the machine, the like sort of big brother, he bat- the last, probably the last person pushing back against the surveillance state. You know what I mean? Come and get me surveillance state. And this, and he held the surveillance state at bay for 14 days. I, this is a bad person, but there was an element in which this was humanity versus the machine. I thought he was going to get away and die. I thought, I mean, Pennsylvania he has did. some pretty expansive- forests and wildernesses um and it's not uncommon for people to like pull their car over off the turnpike and like go for a walk or whatever and then get lost and you know they're found six days later dehydrated and you know delirious i honestly thought he was just gonna like make it to the woods and that they they, you know they'd find his bones and his prison jumpsuit 20 years from now well he was telling the cops you know because he was telling the cops after they caught him because they interviewed him he was telling them like there were a couple of times where they were within like five feet of him Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wait, and okay, so this now, I mean, as you, as everybody knows, I don't like state troopers right now because they <laughs> arrest me and stuff. But um, they were all like, I you saw the, like, when they caught him and they, like, tied him up. Oh, like, it was oh, so gross. That was Yeah, awful. when they did, like, you know, the buck trophy shot, like, show yeah, him, they, him, hold his teeth up to the camera. Yeah, you right, know that? exactly. Yeah, I mean, that yeah. was gross. But, like, I noticed he all had, of those. bleeding. A dog bit him on the head and he yeah. had blood on his face and they're all posing around him. I mean, it was gross. But, I mean, again, cops, man. I, um, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I did notice that all of them were in camouflage. Yeah, they were all wearing camouflage, which the funny thing about that is that. They're not the ones that are hiding. That's my point. It's like, no, yeah. that's not – you have this backwards. Although – And then to find out true. they were five feet from him and they were in camo and he was in prison clothes and yeah. yet he could see them. They couldn't see him. Like I, But the last night – again, I don't know how much you read about this. But what happened is the last night that he was like out, they found out where he was at like midnight and they decided that they would surround him all night and then move in on him in the morning or whatever. So – they were sneaking up on him that last night and getting closer and closer. So maybe there's some justification for the camo. They didn't want to, they didn't want to like strike until dawn or whatever, I guess, because, you know, they didn't want to give him the cover of darkness, but they were kind of like, well, that's silly. Sure. That they could have, their budget could have run to some thermo like specs. Yeah, light up the whatever. Yeah, exactly. And also, I mean, the human spirit is at its weakest at three in the morning. So you want to get him before dawn. That's when he's going to be feeling old and isolated and alone. And, you know. Well, he um, he slept during the day. For the whole time he was gone, he adopted a nocturnal schedule. So he slept during the day and awaked during the night. Do you think he's just going to be like the cool guy in prison now forever? No, I think he's probably. I actually think. I was thinking about this. I bet he's going to be in something which is inhumane and I hope won't be the case. But I bet he's going to be in long-term solitary confinement. Which really? I think the Pope is right when he says that that's torture. Oh, no, that's totally inhumane. It's barbaric. Like, I could see, like, if you're an escapee, like, you do the cool hand Luke thing where, like, you get yourself a set of leg irons now when you're out in the yard. You're just, you know, <laughs> we're going to stop you doing <laughs> that crab walk right. trick again, boy. But yeah, I, well, you the know. prison that he's going to, 
Did you read much about the prison that he's going to? No. You're just, just watching Burning Man videos. There's interesting stuff out there to learn. If you don't think Chris Rock hitchhiking waist deep in mud is hilarious, then you have not. You're, you, you, you're missing it. The, I did see that Chris Rock, like, what did he hike? Five Several miles, miles up to his waist in mud or something? With, like, another famous guy or something? Yeah. I love. Who's the other famous guy? I don't remember, but I mean, it's. But I mean, again, like I thought for a long time, my only understanding and experience of Burning Man was the Malcolm in the Middle episode, where I thought it was kind of like cool and like that's America, but like everything else, it's just been spoiled by posers and rich people with private jets, and and so now the person's like, no, I actually like. I mean, I understand those things about Burning Man, like burn it down, like or in this case, rain it out. Like, rain it out. Yeah. These are the worst people, JD. These are the sort of people who build a private airstrip in the desert. To go LARP as hippies for the weekend before they fly back to their three million dollar houses in you know Silicon Valley, like these people, like it's like the fire festival all over again. Like these people, there are no innocent victims here. Their rhetoric, did you see their rhetoric? Like every year, the desert teaches you something, and this year, the desert taught us. This is, were, yeah, like, the desert pretentious garbage. This is but just a bunch what, of losers I who want to go out in the interested. desert, take drugs, and do silly things. I almost made you go because I was looking to see. I thought there's got to be some – like Richard Rohr or something like that. There's got to be some priests who are going to Burning Man under the guise of evangelization. Or I thought one of two things, either some super libs or some trads. I would not have been surprised. Would you be surprised at all if there's some dude out there with a freaking Soterno and a maniple who is um, like trying to do his thing in evangelism and maybe even being effectively? I thought that we could find that and I was going to make you go out and spend the week there. If, but I if anyone not- is doing – Burning Man evangelization. I will. I will be willing to go out and write that story. I will and absolutely. You think do. that if anyone's doing Burning Man evangelization as the trads, I think they'd have the most success. Like you do, like the Winnebago and like with the full Baroque chapel inside. Yeah. And I mean, the the problem is the hippies and the tech bros would all think it was a performance piece. That's right. But you know, if you sit out there and do that, and then offer to hear confessions, I bet you hear a lot of confessions. I was thinking, like, that would be there would probably be some old liberal OFMs. Who say like, oh yeah, we're going out there to do ministry, but they're just going out there to go. To yeah, they're just going out to the slap on the war paint yeah, and dance like, around a fire. I mean, yeah, they're like, oh, we're you know we're inculturating by taking peyote right now and but, inculturating by locking this virgin inside the man that we're going <laughs> to giant wicker man we're going to set on fire. It's fine. They don't lock someone in it, don't they? No, it's not a human sacrifice. There's human sacrifice at Burning no, Man. It's, it's a facsimile. I've of a human seen sacrifice. the Wicker Man. I know what goes on. I don't know what that is. It's a. It's a. Classic, and I'm using the term in sort of classical era cinema horror movie. Uh, it's it's why they burn the Burning Man. Is it like the Wicker Man? It's I don't think that's why. It is even if they don't know that. That's why. That's where <laughs> they got the idea. I think that's why. They have, there's a whole mythology to it. Yeah, but there's a whole mythology that's entirely formed by you know cult media hits. I mean that there's no actual mythology to this. This is just no. But I mean, it has its own standalone mythology that's not we saw a movie. I'm telling you the kind of people who constructed that mythology are people whose entire life is based on we saw a movie or a TV show or we really like this All you right. know, I could dig this it. niche sci-fi yeah, book right. that nobody knows but me and you know. Yeah, no, you're probably right. I could dig it. But that having been said, again, if you if you are thinking of trying to evangelize Burning Man, I will I will Hunter S. Thompson that story. I would love to send you out there to write the kind of So one thing for you guys to know is that I you know, I love writing long form feature stuff where I'm profiling somebody or writing some event or whatever, like the thing where I broke my ankle or that kind of stuff. Not only does Ed not like writing that stuff, Ed does not love reading that stuff. I hate reading it. (laughs) 
it is a when labor. I, you don't read it when I write it, though, right? No, I I read it when you write it because someone has to. But I, <laughs> it has to be edited. But it is not my style, and it's not particularly. You write it very well, and often my best my best reviews of your stuff. Is, I will say, to the, you know how I feel about this, but this is actually really well written. You know how I feel about this kind of writing, but and like there are times when you'll do the in media race, like the worst kind of American journalistic cold open of like scene, the rain is falling softly on the pavement. It's like, Oh, shut up and tell me the story. I'm not looking for you to vent your frustrated novelist within. Just tell me the facts. Give me the who, what, where, when, and why. You know, all of these jerkish kids who write for the Washington Post Next and the Atlantic. Next we'll talk about your style where it's like somewhere somewhere in these 35,000 words about Vatican finance are the who, what, where, when, and why. Where where did you put them in? This is the thing that you do that I will never understand. Ed, where's the new stuff? Well, I put it at the bottom because I thought it was a great kicker. Wait. <laughs> the first 20,000 words are review? Yeah, because people need to know People need to know people all the need background. People need the context. To they, have to be, they won't understand what's new if I don't tell them what they don't know. <laughs> You um always like why you know like you know like the inverted pyramid your often your approach is like no I'm just writing the pyramid like <laughs> that makes more sense <laughs> <laughs> You got to have a yeah, solid so. foundation if you want to get to the pointy end of the story <laughs> Oh man all right I got to go This bonus episode this is this was this was actually fun I think it's going to be fun yeah, here's the deal. If you <clears throat> want us to keep doing these and you want to listen to them, then subscribe because we're trying to make the pillar a viable reality. Yep. Please subscribe. <laughs> anyway, see everybody next week. Uh, the Pillar bonus episode is a production. Do I say that? No, this is this is just friends and family. It's the Pillar. You're, okay. you're our friends and well, family. I want to roll credits for Kate Oliver. Our executive producer is yeah. Kate Oliver. 